Well, good morning, good morning. It is so good to be with you guys on Family Sunday. There is nothing more challenging, just so you know, than preaching on Family Sunday. So I was going to talk this morning a little bit about David and Bathsheba, but we've decided to <laughs> forego that and close out the series on worship. And um, I guess I want to start by just telling you guys a little bit about my background as a worshiper. And uh, I, you ever have the pastor not be able to get through his own stuff? Worship is something I'm passionate about. It's something that fuels my fire. Uh, I've been worshiping all my life. And uh, when J.D. said, we're, we're touching on worship this morning, you know, we, um, my wife and I moved to Bristol, Tennessee from colorful Colorado to be the lead uh, worship pastors of a church there, and we served there for five years as the worship pastors of this church. And I'm the kind of person that if I'm, if I'm going to do something, I want to know about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you have those people that are like, well, I'm going to sell cars. I don't know the first thing about this Hyundai Elantra, but I'm going to sell it to you, right? No, I've got to be the guy that's like, look, there's a button in the trunk. Watch what this does. You know, I've got to know everything about what I'm doing. And worship became something that I, I, I had a hunger not only to do, but to learn about. And so when, when J.D. asked me, I almost called you Uncle J.D. <laughs> when Uncle J.D. asked me, guys, to come and speak this morning, he said, we're wrapping up our series on worship. I just thought, man, what's the one thing that doesn't get touched on as much. When we talk about worship, we talk about all the stuff like David dancing before the Lord. You know, we, we were doing this this morning. We were talking about how I'm going to become even more undone than this. You know, like, could you imagine being in the presence of God to a point in your life where you're ripping your clothes off and you're dancing and you're twirling around? And, you know, on Sunday morning, this is about as good as it gets, isn't it? Right? It is. Or really, I mean, the triple, yeah. <laughs> Woo! You know? David says, I'm going to become even more undignified than this because the presence of God is all over me. And it's, you know, and so when we talk about worship, we automatically think about, about our response to, to God. And it's occurred to me over the past I don't know, eight years probably, I've been on this journey. How many of you know we serve a loving God this morning? Come on. How many of you know that we also serve a holy God? You know, it says in the Bible a couple times that God is love. It says in the Bible literally a couple times, twice. But God is holy. In fact, God is so holy. In Revelations, it says that the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy. They can't say it enough. They, they reemphasize the fact that God is holy. And so on Family Sunday, we're going to do something really fun this morning. And I'm going to need some kids to help me out. And I'm going to ask for volunteers in just a few minutes. But 
I began to think about what am I going to, how am I going to approach this this morning? Because I want you to understand that God is loving. Of course he is. And we love the scriptures that talk about how he loved us so much that, that in our sin, in our mess, he sent Jesus to die for us. But that's how much, that's how much he loves us. But it's his holiness that forced him to send Jesus. You see, holiness is, the holiness of God is the sun that the universe of the gospel revolves around. Think about it. Without God's holiness, there would be no need for Jesus. Without, I'll say it again so you guys can let, I can smell plastic burning. You're thinking about it. Without the holiness of God, there would be no need for the sacrifice. What do we know of holy? You look it up. Holiness means literally separate or cut off. And I said, well, that helps. What does that even mean? Separate, cut off. What do we know of holiness? We can't even describe it other than to say it's not of us. It's separate. It's cut off. And this morning, I want to talk to, to you guys about the need for worship in your life because of the holiness of God. Is that fair? And if we, if we peel back time before Jesus, there was a place called the tabernacle. The tabernacle, guys, was a tent, just a, just a tent that the nation of Israel would travel around with. You imagine just traveling around with this tent where they made a tent for God to live in. That's what they did. They just traveled around everywhere they, everywhere they went. God, I should say God would lead them. They would set up this tent. And in this tent, there, there was a place called the Holy of Holies, where God lived. It's where God lived. He lived in a place called the Holy of Holies. But because God is holy, we can't just go see him like we can today. We can't just be with him because he's holy. And we sang this morning the words about, you know, gird up my legs. Because when you're in the presence of God, you fall like dead men. That's what the word says. When, when you're in the presence of God, you can't contain yourself. And so you become even more undignified than this. Right? And as a pastor, for the last eight years, I, I, I got really tired of people saying, well, I, I'm not going to raise my hands. I mean, it doesn't say I have to raise my hands. I'm like, well, then you, sir, might not have experienced the presence of God. Because if you've experienced the presence of God, raising your hands is this much. You know, they're tearing your shirt off like David. We don't want to do that on Sundays here, especially with the dad bods. But I want us to picture this, all right? Little guys, listen to me. The Bible tells us that before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. God knew you. Yeah. Each and every one of us come from the Father 
And each and every one of us, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you want to get back to that place in your life where you knew him. So there's people, your friends and and family members that are searching and reaching into the depths of hell itself to try to find something to fill that void because at one time they knew him and they just want to be in his presence. And this is important because when we look at the tabernacle, the presence of God is over here. In fact, I'm going to borrow, let's start this. I'm going to borrow you. Okay. Can you just stand over there for a while? Can you do that? Just a few minutes. <laughs> this is the presence of God. Yes, thank you. <laughs> see how I did that? You guys see how I did that, right? This is the presence of God. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm just a normal guy, you know? I just want to be in the presence and I just, want, I just want to be with him. I just want to be in the presence of God. I want to be near God. And in the Old Testament, the way that it worked was the Hebrew children would want to be in the presence of God. But first, they had to go in order, didn't they? You can't just go into this place because this is holiness. And the Bible says that before the priests would enter the Holy of Holies to, to make the sacrifice there with the, or to present the blood of the sacrifice, that they would tie bells on. You guys know that? Right? They would tie the bells on. Why would they tie bells on these guys? Because if they weren't right, they ain't coming out of there. Because to be in the presence of something that we can't even describe... If, if our heart's not right, we can't leave it. In other words, they would die because they're in the presence of God. And that's how big he is. And so God gives us a road map in the Old Testament on how to get there. And it's through the tabernacle and the model of the tabernacle. Now, we're a New Testament church, right? right? We believe in Jesus. He came to pay the ultimate sacrifice. But I want us to pay close attention to what I'm going to present to you this morning because this is your life and this is my life as worshipers. All right? But I'm going to need a couple volunteers. All right. Let's go with you two. I know you're in the same clan, brother and sister. I'm not going to point at you, Mom. So you two... Fine, you can come on up. How about you back here in the checkered shirt? Let's see, one, two, three, four. We need one more. All right, we'll go on the outside in the jean jacket. Come on up, guys. So, remember, JD's just standing here the whole time. The Holy of Holies. (laughs) So, for us to get into the place where we can be with JD, all right? God instructs the children of Israel in the book of Exodus and Leviticus to build the tabernacle, and he makes them put stuff in this tabernacle. And the first thing they put is called an altar, okay? Who wants to be my altar this morning? Perfect. I'm so glad it's you. Come on up. Okay, so you're just going to kneel down on all fours, 
Can you do that? Make a table for me. Yeah, you, you can put your knees down. You're going to be a while. There you go. You're my table, okay? So, so on you, on you, what I would do is I'd, I'd find the perfect animal, right? And I would sacrifice it all over you. It'd be messy. But remember, I want, to get, I want to get over here, but I've got to start here with a sacrifice. And why don't I have you come up here, and you're going to be what we call the wash basin. Can, that makes sense, more sense than the Greek version. So the wash basin. So can you just hold your hands out like this? Okay. Yeah, but you're going to stand here in line. Right here. Yeah. So what the priests would do is they would come and they would sacrifice an animal for their sins. And then they would, they would come here. And they would scrub themselves really good. Because here's the thing. You ever, you ever kill anything? Don't answer that. Maybe we shouldn't answer that. <laughs> Go ahead and answer it. Have you ever killed anything? No, but I've tried to kill a fish. Tried to kill a fish. Okay. And you, a duck. You weren't successful in killing the fish? No, I threw a rock at the duck and it didn't work. Okay. You know, with a fish, can I give you a secret? Just leave it out of the water. It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. So, okay, so, but because we do this sacrifice, we're dirty, right? We've got, we've got the blood all over us. We're, that's kind of yuck. So I got to clean it off, right? So you're here. You're the next guy. You're next in line, okay? So I, I sacrifice and I wash. And I need you to come on up here. And you're going to stand right here, okay? Now, so the way this worked was outside of this tent, and you're the beginning of a tent, Okay, we have a tent here that starts. Picture it with me. There, there's there's a, an altar and then there's a wash basin. So I've, I've killed something and then I clean myself up and I'm going to go in a tent. But inside a tent, it can be kind of dark, can't it? And, and back then, they didn't have light bulbs and stuff. They had, they had candles. So you're going to be a candelabra. So I need you to act like a candelabra. Did you ever see Beauty and the Beast? I probably should have had one of the girls do it. Okay, yeah, perfect, perfect. Okay, so you're just going to stand here and look at everybody like that, okay? This is my, this is my candelabra. I'm going to tell you right now, if the clock back there starts dancing, we're out of here, okay? Dishes start coming at us, we're leaving, right? So we got to have light in the room, so you're the light. For this whole thing, I can't see it. I can't see without you, right? And then, and then we're gonna have we're gonna have you. You can come up here, and you you get to be this little thing right in front of Pastor JD, and we're gonna call you the altar of incense. Can you say that? The altar of incense. Yeah. Do you know what incense are? No. Okay, that's good. Your parents don't burn incense. That's good. <laughs> He asked me to preach. <laughs> All right, so you're the altar of incense. Incense are things that they would light on fire to cover up a smell. Let's, let's look at it that way. So like, you know, you, you go into a room that's kind of stinky and you spray the room. Okay, that's what it's like. My brothers. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we'll pray for them, okay? Okay. All right, and then you, you're the final piece of this puzzle. So come on up. And you're going to stand right here for me. I was going to have you, like, do what he's doing because you're supposed to be a table. But we'll let you stand because nobody can see you if you're back here. So 
you're, you're what we call the table of showbread. This is what they had in there. They had light, they had smell good, and they had food inside this tent, right? They had bread, they had smell. So, so for me to get from here to there, I got to go through all this stuff. It's like, it's like an a obstacle course almost, isn't it? I got to go through all this stuff. I've got to sacrifice an animal for my sin. I've got to clean myself off because I'm dirty. I've got to come into this tent and it's dark. So you have to be on, on fire, right? So I can see. And then it's got to smell good in there. Because I'm going to tell you right now, at the time before Jesus, nothing smelled good. <laughs> right? I mean, people are just stinky. So it's got to smell good. And then there's you. The table full of food. Right? Yeah, and we can get into all of what that really means and stuff, but this is what we call a living tabernacle. Are you, are you doing okay down here? Okay. This is what we call a living tabernacle. Can you guys picture it? I can't go there unless I go here first. And thank you, Jesus, that you paid this sacrifice for me. Because I want to be in the presence of the Almighty. But I can't do it because he's holy. And I've got to be forgiven. I've got to be clean. I've got to wash myself in the blood of the Lamb. And this is where it happens. This is step one. This is step one. Is Jesus. And so many times in the church, listen to me, as a pastor, as a former senior pastor, I'm going to tell you so many times in the church, this is where we think it stops. Oh, I've accepted Jesus. I'm going to heaven. We're good. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I've accepted Jesus. It's a long way to the presence, though. I'm not there yet. I want to be with the Father. I've accepted the blood of the Son, but I want to get to that. And the next step in obedience is the cleansing, which is your baptism. Come on. You cannot be truly in the presence of the almighty God until you have surrendered your life to Jesus and you've been baptized in obedience. And I know people that are like, guess what? I don't want to be baptized. I don't need to be baptized to go to heaven. You're right. But you ain't going to get heaven here like God wants to give it to you, unless you're obedient. It's an act of obedience. Does that make sense this morning? Baptism unlocks something in the spirit realm that we don't understand. Our obedience unlocks something in the spirit realm, in the kingdom, that we don't understand. And so for me to surrender my life to Christ and then to be obedient in baptizing, getting baptized, unlocks the potential, and I believe this, for us to go past the outer courts, into the holy place. There's, there's a song about that. You, Jesus says, are the light of the world. The oil that fuels this candelabra is supplied by the worshipers. That's what the word of God says. 
can't have light without worship. And we know this morning that our praises burn like incense before the Lord. Our praises ascend to the very throne room of God. And you, table full of bread. There were 12 loaves on a table, each loaf representing a tribe of Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of God, of which you and I now are the people of God. This table was called the bread of presence because it always had to be in the presence of God. Always had to be in the presence. And the word in Greek is prothesis. I haven't used a single scripture yet, have I? Let me pull up Romans. It's graduation weekend. You're doing a great job, by the way. Perfect candelabra. Graduation weekend. We've got family Sunday. We've got men and women here who are without work right now. One of our favorite scriptures is all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his what? His purpose for them. That's right. I remember being a Bible college student looking for my purpose. I remember being an adult looking for my purpose. I remember yesterday looking for my purpose. Come on. Why am I here? The age-old question since the beginning of time. Why am I here? What's fascinating is Paul writes this. He says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And if you look up the word purpose that Paul uses, it's synonymous with the word showbread. The bread of presence. It's synonymous with, why am I here? You're here to be in the presence of God Almighty through worship and praise. You don't have a choice as a believer in Christ to to not enter in. And if you don't enter in, then what you're saying to God is, I know better than you. Your purpose. Noble, you're graduating. Your purpose is his presence. You want to know where you're supposed to go? You're supposed to, well, this is a bad example because now it's like you're supposed to go to your dad. (laughs) Come on, Noble. Go to your dad. To be with the Father. Your purpose. You were created. You guys doing okay still? Let's give these guys a hand. Stand on up. Thank you all very much. You did a great job. You did a great job. You did a great job. And you smell fantastic. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Drive five hours to preach and they give you a tiny water.
So we have this vivid picture, don't we, through the image of the tabernacle of your life as a believer in Christ. You don't think God knows what he's doing? He planned that. And he knew when he instructed them on how to lay out the temple and the tabernacle that it was a forecast of things to come. Jesus was going to be the sacrifice. Hmm. And here's the beauty of it all. You see, as you study this this Old Testament layout of, of how the children of Israel and the priests would go from here to the very presence of the everlasting, the the only the priests were allowed past the table of sacrifice. So we couldn't go there. We could see it. We could see the pillar of fire. We could see and sense the presence of God. Listen, I've been in places, and many of you know what I'm talking about. You walk into a place and you sense something. You know what I'm saying? I believe, because we serve a big God, that the nation of Israel could sense the presence of God. The entire nation could know he's there. I want to be there. But only a priest can go there. which disqualifies all of us. I mean, I'm not a priest, right? Or you're a pastor, though. You're pretty close. Wow. Thank God that when Jesus sacrificed his life on the cross, I love what it says in Revelation chapter, uh, what is it, four? What's that last scripture we're pulling up? I don't preach from an iPad, and I've, I've completely scrolled. One, Revelations one, yep. He has made us a kingdom of what? Priests. For God is Father. All glory and power to him forever. So here's the beauty of it. Jesus pays the sacrifice. Now we get to boldly approach the throne room of grace, where since the beginning of time, the nation of Israel yearned to be with the Father, and there was no chance, no chance for them to be with the Father. Only the Levites, only the priests could do it. But because of God's sacrifice and because he sent his son to die for us, he says, you now get to go boldly before the throne of grace. But you cannot do that without seeing from the light of worship, without our praise. You can't be in his presence and know your purpose in life without being in worship and praise. Yes, you've got to be in the word. Listen, I mean, I'm not saying discounting the word by any stretch of the imagination. You've got to be in the word. But I think so often, Christians, what we do is put such an emphasis on the word and not on our part to play. God has laid out the obstacle course for his presence in your life. And it's simply this. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. He gives you the roadmap. And in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is life evermore. Where are we going to go with this this morning?
God, I ascribe to you, you are holy. And I know, Father, there's no way that in my goodness, in my attempt to be more like Jesus, in my activities and everything, no matter how many people I tell about Jesus, you're holy. Nothing I do can get me from here to there. But what he did, what he did gets me right to the place where that holiness, that human tabernacle that we saw this morning dwells inside of each and every one of us. My mind is blown when I consider that what they went through thousands of years ago to be with the presence of God, I have the authority and the mandate to do in my bedroom. I have the authority and mandate, believer, to do in my bedroom. What the nation of Israel strove to be with because they could see it, but they couldn't go there. I get to do that in the kitchen. I get to become even more undignified than this. In the kitchen. And so when we, when we talk about lifting holy hands or ascribing worth to God and just say it in your own words, God, you are holy. God, you are worthy. And we have Christians, people who profess Jesus, who sit back and go, well, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You are never going to unlock the potential that God has placed inside of you. Unless you get out of your own way. He is a holy God. He is a worthy God. And he paid the sacrifice for us to become the light of the world. In his presence. Through his presence. In closing this morning. In 2003, I had one of many wrecking balls hit my life. And I remember a time where I was pleading out to God, where are you? And it just bounced off the ceiling. Anybody ever been there? Like Jamie was saying this morning, where are you in this Jesus? I felt empty. I felt alone. And all I wanted to do was get from here to the presence of God, and I just didn't seem like it was possible. I prayed. I would read my Bible. I fasted. Nothing seemed to speak to my heart.
as a musician, I knew music has some power. And I will never forget, I heard a song on the radio by a group called Hillsong, which you all know. And it was called Found. You guys ever, do you know that song, anybody? I found myself in you, Jesus. All the prayers, all the supplication, all the scripture reading, everything else wasn't working. But the minute that I started to sing this song over my life, the minute I opened my voice and sang the words, and I found myself in you, Jesus, was the minute it was, like, it was like the opening up of a flower almost, right? And I began to be able to release things in my heart and in my spirit that I didn't even know I was carrying. I didn't know how bad the hurt was until I got into the holy place alone with God, worshiping and praising him. And I remember being alone in my house for the first time. On my hands and knees, crying out to God, where are you in this? He's right here. But all the noise, I would have missed it. All the noise in my own heart and in my own head, I would have missed it. But it was in that moment of complete surrender, in praise and in worship, even though I didn't feel like doing it. Even though my heart was wrecked, even though I didn't know where I was going to go tomorrow, it was the choice, the cognizant choice for me to go, I'm going to go through this to get to the holy place where I can be in the presence of the everlasting, where there is fullness of joy. Because I don't know about you this morning, I need a little more joy in my life. It comes through praise. It comes through worship. It comes through becoming even more undignified than this. Don't be afraid, believer, to let your guard down. Yeah. Don't be afraid to lay all the things that you carried into this place on the altar of sacrifice so that you can take the next step in saying, God, wash me in the blood of the Lamb so that I'm pure. Taking the next step into praise and worship where you can be, go beyond the veil. He's waiting for you. And the beauty of it is, is that's happening right now inside of your heart. That's happening right now inside of your life, inside of your soul. Everything that you saw up here is in you. And Jesus has released it to you to say, you're going to do with this what you will. And my prayer this morning, let's stand. My prayer this morning is that you choose to go beyond the outer courts into the holy place because it's your choice that's the beauty of the God that we served and that we serve is even in this he gives you free will but I want an encounter with God I don't want to know about him I want to know him So Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place to come and do what only you can do this morning.
Let us step into our kingdom purpose to be in your presence. Let our praise burn before the throne this morning. Let our worship show the world to be a light unto the world. We belong to something greater. Because of your sacrifice, Jesus, we get to boldly go before not just your Father, but our Father this morning. Mm. How many of you want to choose to worship this morning? How many of you want to choose your purpose this morning? His presence. Just lift your hands up this morning and pray with me. Say this after me. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in my life. You are welcome in this place. Help me to achieve my purpose, which is your presence. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing another song. I don't know, church, maybe it's time for seeds to host the holiness. Amen.